Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Collider says BritBox has TV everyone should be watching. Stream acclaimed series with powerful performances from Jodie Whittaker, Tamara Lawrence, Bella Ramsey, and Matthew McFadden. Discover new BritBox original series you won't find anywhere else. Like Three Little Birds, Agatha Christie's Murder is Easy, and a new chapter of BAFTA-winning drama, Time. Stream what the New York Times calls the best of British telly, only on BritBox. Start a free trial at BritBox.com. Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you are doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me, as always, is a man that got me a mogwai for Christmas, and one month later, my house is completely destroyed, burnt to the ground. He is the captain. Not my fault, bro. I gave you the instructions, you dummy. It's good to be seen, and it's good to see you. Thanks for listening, and thanks for telling a friend. Tonight we are drinking Secret Stairs by Trillium Brewing Company Garage Grade, four and a half bottle caps out of five. Secret Stairs, this is a stout that is bold and balanced, and unlike most stouts, it's not syrupy or too sweet, but there are hints of caramel in here. Secret Stairs was brought to us by these fine members of the garage crew. First up, we have Dee Dee in Owasa, Oklahoma. And a big We Like Your Jib to Tiffany in Barberton, Ohio. All right, let's go down to one of the garage's favorite states and say hi and thanks to Brad and Katie in Texas. Also in Texas, we have Eric in Austin. And in the little state of Rhode Island, we have Elisa. And we give a big thank you to Sarah in Joplin, Missouri. And last but not least, we have Tim and Cindy of Full Metal Rock in Las Vegas. Thanks to everybody for filling up the fridge for this week's show. If you want to help us out with next week's show, go to truecrimegarage.com and click on the donate button. And you can follow us on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all that stuff at True Crime Garage. And if you want to keep up with all of my beer adventures, follow me on Untapped at True Crime Garage. And you'll notice when he's on his app, he's a wassailing. <laughs> all right, Captain, that's enough of the business. Everybody gather around, grab a chair. Grab a beer. Let's talk some true crime. On August 7th, 1972, in Springfield, New Jersey, parents Salvatore and Florence De Palma tried to call the police. They wanted to report their daughter, Jeanette, who is 16 years old, either as missing 
or as a runaway. They were told that their daughter would have to have been missing for at least 24 hours before they could take the report. Earlier that day, Jeanette had had at least one argument with a parent before leaving her home to venture off to her friend's house, which was eight miles away. The plan was she was going to walk three miles by herself and take the train the rest of the way to her friend's house. She was also scheduled to work at her part-time job later after going to her friend's house. She never arrived at work. She never arrived at her friend's home. We did cover some speculation and some rumors regarding of where she may have gone that day. However, there are people to suggest that either she did go to this party or there was no party at all. We also suggested that that could be just poor recollection on the, on the part of these young teenagers who are being asked questions. Why are they being asked questions? Because not only is this girl missing, but approximately six weeks later, her body is found in a wooded area on a cliff known as the devil's teeth. Right. And so they're asking her, they're asking these kids about these events that took place six weeks prior. Now we got into the whole thing of whether this was a situation where the parents had reported her as missing or as a runaway. The police state that the De Palma family called in a situation that their daughter had run away. Right. The police would later give different accounts on this situation because they were interviewing the parents. And according to the police, it was the De Palmas that had reported Jeanette as a runaway. Police would later say that a runaway situation is not really investigated. That they they give a description of the girl, they give some brief information to their beat cops. Right. And if nobody sees the girl, they they don't really do anything. You might kick the bushes a little bit, but you don't spend a lot of time working on a situation where somebody left willingly from their home. Now they did interview Jeanette's parents. The problem that the investigators had with, with her parents was this. They claimed that the answers that they got from her parents yeah. regarding the, the final day, the day that Jeanette had disappeared, these answers were short and often vague answers and almost with no details. And the police did not seem to like this. They thought that the, the, the Palmas would have more answers for them. They would have some details some information that might provide some leads into the eventual murder of their daughter. But just a few days after their daughter was found, the mother said some odd things to the newspaper. Yes, and this a lot of people in the public took some issue with these statements. Now, this was Florence De Palma. This was just two days after the discovery of Jeanette's body. She tells a local newspaper, this is the Newark Star-Ledger, and quote, she says, she had resigned herself to her daughter's death weeks ago. Now, mind you, she's saying weeks ago, and yet her daughter's body was just found two days before giving this statement to the newspaper. And she states that the Lord had told her and had gave her peace weeks before finding the body of her daughter. And some would point out that that suggests that maybe the parents knew something, or maybe the parents had some kind of involvement in the the actual murder or what took place with their daughter. Yeah. So maybe the parents know a little more or maybe it's just some mother intuition that she eventually felt like she had to accept. Well, when I find out a little bit more information about the parents and about the De Palma family, I don't find her statement to be so incriminating. Let's say, 
Um, We have statements from her other daughter, Cindy. Now, Cindy was older than Jeanette. From my understanding, there were two other daughters living in the home with Jeanette. Now, I said that they had a large family, like seven or eight kids. I'm assuming the other kids had grown and moved out of the home. But it's often reported that the two remaining daughters, you know, after they found the body of Jeanette, newspaper articles will say the two remaining daughters. So I'm assuming just two of them live there. Now, Cindy is the only one that I could find that would give statements that would talk about this case for years to come. Um, I wish we had a little more information from Cindy as to what was going on with inside the walls of that De Palma home during the course of when Jeanette was still missing and the body had not been found because I'm assuming that if her mother had resigned herself to her daughter's death weeks ago before, before the discovery of the body, that there would be things going on with inside that home. You know, you would think that she would almost be, would she be comforting her husband or her husband comforting her? You would, you would think there would be a lot of dread inside that home prior to the finding of the body. But the reason why I say that it, I don't find that, that statement to be so incriminating is one thing we have to keep in mind here and factor in in this situation is that the De Palma family, especially the parents, were extremely religious from my understanding. They, they went to – the way that it's been reported was they were not just the type that, that, that attended church on a weekly basis, mm-hmm. that they would often go multiple times per week. And that they were extremely religious. And I, I, that's why I don't find it so incriminating because I could see with somebody being incredibly religious and their daughter having been gone for three, four weeks. I mean, you start hope, you lose hope. You lose a little bit of hope every day, each day, as it gets further and further from the last time that you saw your child. And at some point, you might just have to put that faith in God and you might be looking for answers and she may have come to this conclusion or, or felt that felt that she was being given this information. Well, this is part of the reason why this case to me is so frustrating because for every bit of information that you think maybe you're going to get closer to having a picture of what was going on, Mm -hmm. it seems like there's a counter story. So one story is that the family is really religious. And so again, she had this, uh, God told her, your child passed, accept it. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's one story. The other story is that the family is not that religious and that one of their daughters started going to a different church that was not their denomination. Right. But then the family started going to that church. And then there's reports that Jeanette is highly involved in church, mm-hmm. works uh, for some teen crisis center type thing. Maybe crisis center is not the right word, but, um, you know, where she's like mentoring. Yeah. And there's other reports that she was not involved in church at all, that she possibly was involved in like witchcraft. And so that's what's so frustrating about this case. The same. It's the same thing we saw when we discussed Jeanette's character, what kind of person she may have been, what kind of teenager she could have been. Yeah. It's you have half the room telling us that she was super religious and she was super into going to church and she was uh, trying to mentor some of her peers to find religion and to join the church. And then you have the other half of the room saying almost the opposite, the exact opposite, stating, no, her parents drug her there. Her family drug her there multiple times a week. 
I think they called it a drug and alcohol counselor, which is weird to have a drug and alcohol counselor be 16. But I think it was more of a system set up where if if a teenager was having issues where they could call and it would be somebody of their own age Mm -hmm. to say, hey, come to the church. We love you. We we care about you. Let's get you some help. If that makes any sense. Well, yeah, because you would have the that would provide someone the opportunity to discuss what's going on inside their life and things maybe that they've experimented with without the fear of getting in trouble, you know, from anybody without their parents finding out or, or a teacher or something like that. Yeah. So supposedly she did do this, you know, but again, there's probably a story out there that says that she never even went to that church. Well, while we're on the subject of these newspaper articles, there were several that came out within the two weeks of the discovery of her body. Um, and there were several that of significance, in my opinion. There are two that I would like to discuss, and here are the headlines from these two. The first one is uh, headlined, Girl Sacrificed in Witch Rite. And the second is De Palma's Say Slayers Possessed by Demons. Okay. And I think we should go through both of these because this is where this might be where the the genesis of where these rumors about witchcraft and Satanism having been involved in Jeanette's murder. Let's start with the one that's called uh, Girl Sacrifice and Witch Right. Yeah, and here's the important little snippet from from that article. Mm-hmm. It starts Investigation into the death of 16-year-old Jeanette De Palma is focusing on elements of black witchcraft and Satan worship. A review of death scene photos, according to reports, is leading authorities to believe the girl's death may have been in the nature of a sacrifice. Pieces of wood at first thought to be at the scene by chance are now seen as symbols. Detectives throughout Union County have been alerted to the possibility that a cult or a cult member played a part in the death. A search party discovered her remains. She had been missing six weeks on September 19th in a wooded area of a quarry atop a 40-foot cliff about 400 yards from Shunpike Road. One searcher said two pieces of wood were crossed on the ground over her head. More wood framed the body like a coffin. Another person who was there said, I guess if you were looking for signs, they were there. All right, just go ahead and read the next one so we can dive into both of them at the same time. And I'm going to kind of give a uh, summary of this article because it's it's a bit longer. But it starts by saying, parents say daughter may have been murdered by persons whose bodies are possessed by demons. Then the article mentions the following, incidents of witchcraft in the area. Also stating, authorities said that Jeanette's death may be linked to a coven or witchcraft assembly in the area. And what's especially troubling here is this is the first mention of of this situation. This article also mentions acts of animal sacrifice. This taking place in a reservation nearby, stating that state park police found these acts committed against dogs, cats, and even a goat. The reporter wrote about a bowl of blood that was found. The bowl of blood also contained the bodies of pigeons who had had their necks snapped. I think it's important to point out, though, when we're talking about the animal sacrifices that the state park police had found, Mm 
Yeah. That this was in a nearby reservation. This was not in the same area where Jeanette's body was found. It's. I think it's key to point that out. Yeah, but how many miles away? I don't. I don't know off the off the top of my head here. I mean, um, look, if it's five to ten miles in that radius, could it be linked possibly. What I'm getting at, though, is yeah, is there possible that it's spillover or at some point that they moved into another area? Yeah, that could happen. But what I what I want to make sure that I point out here is those acts, those things that they believed were going on in that reservation were not going on in the area where Jeanette's body was eventually found. They found no evidence of that at any time. Right. There was rumors that there was witchcraft activities going on at Devil's Skull or Devil's Teeth. But those were just rumors. And maybe maybe the name itself, Devil's Teeth, inspires those rumors. Yeah. This Again, Devil's Teeth is a difficult place to get to. Mm-hmm. So, you know, <laughs> were a bunch of devil worships going up there to perform the acts? Uh, probably not likely. Right. And it sounds like they were leaving. I hate to be gross, but they were leaving the carcasses and they were leaving evidence of such at this reservation. Like it was pretty easily found. You know, they were finding blood and they were finding bodies of animals. Now, I could find one story specifically talking about chickens. And I know that that newspaper article referenced dogs, cats, and a goat. Right. However, I couldn't find anything specifically saying that they had found carcasses of a dog, cat, or even a goat. Right. Again, these could just be rumors. Uh, Then the other rumors that are weird are these items that were left at her body, these Blair Witch type items that would be, be left at the at our sacrifice scene. Yeah. Well, and that's what I want to kind of focus in on. We should push away the stuff that's going on may or may not be going on at the reservation and talk specifically about what was found with her body and at the crime scene. Now there are three, generally three different reports of what are considered to be likely what was found there because this is all over the shop. Captain, we have different people saying different things were found at the crime scene. The first one I want to discuss is we have the police officer, officer Don that we had spoke about yesterday. He was involved in, he was the one that responded to the call about the arm at the apartment complex. And he was part of the search. He was one of the first people to see her body atop of that cliff. Yeah. Now what he described at the scene was he described a single cross, a single wooden cross. Now, I have to, we, we have to be clear here. This is not a, a wooden cross that somebody built and had nailed into the ground. Right. This is what he describes as a, a large stick crossed over by a smaller stick that would form the appearance of a cross lying on the ground. This would have been just above, if you were at the feet, if you were at, at her feet looking at the body, this would be just above her head. Right. So some people would say it's like, you know, uh, a headstone almost. Right. But he also says that it looks like there was a tree and that possibly a tree just fell over mm-hmm. and therefore making the cross. He says between the cross itself and Jeanette's body were four or five stones that looked like they were placed around her head, giving the the image of almost a halo. Right. Those are the only things that he describes 
finding there or seeing before he's told by detectives to get off the cliff and go down and tell tell people to back up and get away. Right. We have another account. This is from a girl named Lisa. She's about she would have been about Jeanette's age, and I don't want to give her full name, but she says that she went to the crime scene two days after the body was found. And when she got there, the crime scene tape, the police tape was still, they had still roped off the area, right? but they, there was nobody guarding the area. So she went up there. This is almost like a, like a stand by me situation, you know, right. going out to see a body, but they've already removed Jeanette's body by this time. Yeah, but this is not as cool. I mean, think about that. If stand by if Stephen King said, Hey, I'm going to make a movie where they go, you want to see a body? Yeah. And they go, but there is no body. Do you want to go see where it happened? <laughs> Not as cool. Right. Hey, for anybody out there listening, this is just my own opinion. The movie stand by me. Incredibly good. The, the book that it's based from the body. Very good. That's something people should check out. Anyway, let's go get into what Lisa says that she had saw there. Now, remember we said that, that Jeanette's body had kind of sunken into the ground, right? So when Lisa went up there, you could still see the outline of where the body once was. So it's not like you, she's looking at some random spot. She's looking at a spot that that is correct. And what she described was that there was a large log that would have run, uh, above where her head would have been. And then a smaller log that would have been right at her feet. And then to each side of the body were multiple, makeshift crosses from from small branches yeah this gives a vague picture of maybe a a coffin like thing or a resting area for Jeanette. some some say that they were building kind of an altar and that's where the sacrifice had to happen was on this altar you know but you know not not where we look at it as like you know i was raised catholic so you think of altar being something that was raised right but this was you know basically we're creating an altar on the ground mm-hmm. like a perimeter around the body right so not so much a, a casket the third account is what is described according to newspaper accounts and this is kind of a combination of the two we have the cross that we spoke about that o- officer don saw above the head and then we have the log going up by the head area the log also at the feet area, and then the body is positioned between two logs as well, giving a full outline of either an altar or a coffin-like uh, situation. Right. Now, with inside that perimeter that was created by those four logs, uh-huh. we have multiple makeshift small crosses created by branches, small branches on both sides of the body. But this is coming from Lisa. This is the from newspaper accounts. Okay. So we so we have Lisa's accounts that are similar to this newspaper account. Well, in a sense, it's it's almost like Officer Don's account is minimal. You know, there he, he's only finding a few items there, and then Lisa's is a little more extravagant. There's the addition of the logs with multiple makeshift crosses on both sides of the body, right. and then the newspaper account is like a combination of the two. But on steroids, where you have everything involved, and you have you have a bunch of stuff surrounding this body. So, what's your gut telling you? 
what I think, Captain, is I I favor Officer Don's account as well as the teenager Lisa's account rather than the newspaper. And I have nothing. I have very little to base this off of. But the newspaper account seems to be the most extravagant. It seems to contain the most items up there. And, oh, right. But they're they're in the business of selling stories. Right. It, it could just be sensationalism, right. you know, for the purpose of their articles, which you and I absolutely hate that. I, I think I question that if any of the writers had even been to the location, I think that they were probably basing what they thought was there off of other people's stories and off of other people's accounts of what they may or may not have saw. Okay. So what was found by the body? In my opinion? Yeah. Um, I, I think that it was probably, like I said, I think that the more accurate statements would be either Lisa's account or officer Don's account. So, okay. So to contradict officer Don's account, we have another officer that says, yes, there were sticks and stones up there near the body. The body was found in the middle of the woods. And in this officer's opinion, the sticks and stones were just there by chance. They weren't arranged by anyone. Nobody had placed them there, that they were just there because sticks and stones exist in the woods. Right. Now, Officer Don, you know, these two are not really, these two officers aren't really saying one is right and one is, is wrong. You know, he's saying Don would have seen sticks and stones up there, but I don't believe they were arranged. Now, Officer Don would say, well, this officer was only up on top of that hill for a very short period of time before being asked to leave. And what I believe I saw appeared to have been purposely placed in position near the body. The thing here is under this situation, both of these officers would have been asked to leave the area relatively quickly after finding the body where you have somebody like Lisa, who, if she did venture out there two days later, she's she's looking at something and not being removed. She, she can stand there as long as she likes and observe whatever is there, whatever's present. Now, keep in mind, it is in fact, two days after the body was removed from there, somebody could have altered the scene. I think that Lisa's could be slightly exaggerated. She, I'm just factoring in that she's a teenager. I'm factoring in that she might've been scared while she was up there. That also she's like, think about what the one officer said yes of course there were sticks and stones up there it's the woods for crying out loud right i think maybe she may have seen things up there and put into a little more uh thought that was necessary into what items she was looking at i think the answer for me and what my belief would be is that it's somewhere between officer don's account and lisa's account of what was seen up there and it's also possible that somebody went up there and had these little crosses made out of sticks and put them down mm-hmm. as like a memorial to the girl i mean you see that all the time somebody dies in a car wreck you know two days later it's like there's a bunch of crosses that put somebody put down mm-hmm. could be something like that but I, from all the accounts and all the interviews i've heard the majority of the police officers say there wasn't anything there right i'm not going to go too far-fetched with this lisa turtle story you know, there there was no crosses. There was no nothing because that would have been reported by multiple cops mm-hmm. if there were crosses. There weren't, were there some sticks that were placed in certain, you know, look, it could be as simple as the area was altered before or after the murder. Mm-hmm. And that's why there there is some sign of any of that. But to me, there is no sign of 
that this was a sacrifice or witchcraft. Yeah, it's it's a strange situation because, like you said, we have multiple officers saying that there was nothing up there to suggest that. And then we have two of the officers, one who says at the scene, hey, this looks like witchcraft. And then another officer, Officer Don, stating, I saw a cross and I saw some stones arranged near the head. The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Everyone is still talking about Monopoly Go for a good reason. It is an absolute hit. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Like countless crazy tournaments, you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Or timed events, offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums. Delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches. Unique playing pieces and so much more. The verdict is in. With Monopoly Go, there's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now free on the App Store and Google Play. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, I highly recommend that you give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com garage today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash garage. This show is proudly sponsored by BetterHelp. Check out BetterHelp.com garage today. Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning today. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. There's one site for all kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. Kids could use it at home on their computer or on an app on your phone or a tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything for you. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. I love recommending IXL Learning. Kids can learn at home or on the go. And all my friends and family that are using it absolutely love it because it's so easy to set up and so easy to use. And even the kids that I've recommended it to their parents have told me, hey, Captain, thank you. I was having problems in math and my parents couldn't help me but IXL could. Do you want to get your kids back on track or do you just want to get your kids ahead? Do so with IXL Learning. 
Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And True Crime Garage listeners get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com slash garage. Visit IXL.com slash garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Check out IXL.com slash garage today. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factor's no prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious from breakfast to dessert. Stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I am new to Factor, and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem, and it's called lunch. Some days I need a pack of lunch, and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. Head to factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 and use code truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month. That's code truecrimegarage50 at factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. All right, we're back. Cheers, mate. Cheers, Captain. Now, I'll tell you what, regardless of what was found up at the scene, okay, because it's all over the shop, either nothing was found, some items were found, or a whole bunch of items were found that were resembled items that would be satanic in nature or witchcraft. The thing here is we, there was a great book written about this case and it's called the death on the devil's teeth. And this was written by Jesse Pollock and Mark Moran. Now, one thing these two guys did, these guys are authors. I believe they work for or founded something called weird New Jersey or weird NJ, which I guess is like a biannually publication that comes out for, uh, weird things that happen in the state of New Jersey. Is that right, Captain? Biannually? Does that mean twice a year or every other year? I always get confused when I hear that. I, But I believe their publication comes out twice a year. Now, one thing these guys did, which was great, was they took the information of what was speculated to have been found at the scene, according to Officer Dawn, according to the teenager Lisa that we discussed, and according to the newspaper accounts at the time. And they took this information and they presented it to some experts in the field of, of witchcraft and Satanism to get their opinions on, you know, if, if in fact these items were found at the scene, what can we make of it? Right. Okay. So the, the first professor that they talked to, and this is Ronald Hutton. Now he teaches courses on contemporary paganism at the university of Bristol. 
He says that the items that he sees and the items that he has been told and described to him as being placed at the, at the murder scene, at the crime scene, in his opinion, are not even items considered to be that of a pagan or ritual magic uh, relationship. He says that um, regardless of what or wasn't found at the scene, items described in his opinion, these are all traditionally Christian symbols that would have been found there. We talked about cross-like things being found, uh, maybe a coffin or an altar like situation being found at the crime scene. Right. Which hence my idea that somebody could have left these after the body was removed. Now, another professor teaching on the subject points out that, uh, and I was happy to find this because I, I know little about this subject. Uh, I like to read about cold cases. Um, but crunch, you know, I, I, the thing it out. Sorry. Sorry. But, you know, I know a lot of people think that Satanism and witchcraft and things like that can come up a lot in these cases. And actually, that's just not a thing. Um, when it does come up, it's usually simply a bad lead or misunderstanding. And the reports on Satanism slash witchcraft being involved, it's often described very Hollywood-like, presented in ways that seem cheesy and fake to me. So I was happy to find this, something I had thought. This is from Dr. Jason Coy, professor of history at the College of Charleston. He's a renowned expert in the field of witchcraft. And he says modern-day witches or Wiccans have mm-hmm. nothing to do with historical witchcraft and are generally peaceful environmentalists and feminists who, who practice a sort of new age neo-pagan religion. Mm-hmm. which he says seems to have nothing to do with this case at all. Nothing that was presented to him and nothing to do with uh, Jeanette's murder. In his opinion, he states that this looks more like the work of some psychopath with a type of religious fixation. Well, some of those ideas that he was talking about kind of get brought up in the West Memphis three case mm-hmm. where Damien talks about that. He wasn't, it was more so a spiritual view and almost feminist views as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's one thing I had always thought, like I said, I knew very little about this, but that was always my understanding that these are not traditionally violent people looking to go out and make actual sacrifices no. on humans or, or animals. Uh, while we're on that subject though, captain, I want to mention though, I, you had asked about where, uh, regarding the location of those quote unquote animal sacrifices that we discussed Right. That took place at a place called the Wachung. I hope I said that right. It's not right. <laughs> I did not say that. Can't but be I, right. I'm not terribly off. I can't be terribly off because it's W-A-T-C-H-U-N-G reservation. Okay. Now, I don't know the location in proximity to where her body was found. Well, what good are you? But what I do know is, I'm just reviewing my notes here, that according to police, they refer to these as uh, Santeria Acts that they found evidence of this in the uh, reservation. And this is the the largest park in Union County. So it's in the same county as where she was found. And the reservation is a 1,945-acre forest, so a very extremely large area. Now, we pulled that information from the article that was titled, The Palmas Say Slayers Possessed by Demons. There was also one thing that was extremely interesting near the end of this article. 
And that is the, and this is straight from the article stating, quote, the investigation has also been widened to include a review of the list murders. Well, Captain, we have not even got to this portion of the case yet. Not Lisk. Right. List. Some people hear that and they hear Lisk, L-I-S-K, but yeah, it's the first, List. Yeah. Like I, was, I wrote a list. I was researching this case and I was like, this might have something to do with the Lisk murders. And I thought, Long Island serial killer? Like Again? It, it goes What's back it? to 72? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. This is so fascinating. Then I realized I was a moron. So why would why would they suggest that the investigation, according to this article, and quote, the investigation has also been widened to include the review of the list murders? Well, we have to paint a picture here, Captain, yeah, what, and it's not a pretty the one. List murders. So the list murders are a, a, a family was murdered in this area just months before Jeanette had gone missing. Okay. And this is considered to be one of the most famous cases from the state of New Jersey. You got to keep in mind, though, the community was still suffering and still trying to heal and, and, and still trying to make sense of this horrible crime that had happened just months before this teenage girl goes missing and then is ultimately found dead in the woods. Right. Now, the list murders were not discovered until December 7th of 1971. Remember, our Jeanette De Palma case is taking place in August and September of 1972. So less than a year later. What we have here, though, Captain, is upon a welfare check to a home occupied by the list family. Mm -hmm. Now, this home is referred to as a mansion. And it was given the name Breeze Knoll. And I don't know if that was given to the home by the family or if it had had that name prior to their purchasing of this mansion. But police are responding to a welfare call at this seemingly well-to-do family. Mm -hmm. We have a home where what was reported is that the family would be gone on some type of vacation visiting the, um, the mother's mother who lived in North Carolina. And they had told people that they would be there for several weeks. The The milk deliveries had stopped at the home. The mail had been stopped as well as newspapers. But there were lights that were left on inside the home day and night. And apparently no activity going on within or around the home. Finally, neighbors began to get concerned as the lights began to burn out one by one. And it almost appeared like the family had left the home and they were never going to return. Mm -hmm. So when the police respond to this welfare call, they decide to enter the home. They find an unlocked window in front of the house towards the front of the home. And they decide to enter the home through there. As they made their way through the home, they could hear what sounded like either symphony music or religious music, like being played over a radio. They made their way to... Now, mind you, this was referred to as the ballroom, I believe, which you would think would be like some big grandioso room. Right, but it was two feet by two feet. <laughs> it's very small. It, it was a ballroom for, for a puppeteer. It's for all those tiny dancers. So they get to what was referred to as the ballroom, and when they get there, it, the room's not as large as one would, would expect to see, mm -hmm. but they find the bodies of of children and of a woman and they are lying face down on, on sleeping bags. 
Now, all of the victims had been shot in the head. The police are pretty frightened by this discovery and shocked, to say the least. But now they're going to move room by room throughout the home. They're kind of expecting that they could encounter a killer that is hiding in a corner somewhere in one of these rooms with a gun ready to kill whoever finds them. Yeah, psycho killer. So as they move room to room, they make their way to what is, in fact, the man of the home, uh, the man of the house. It's his office. And this is John List. It's his office. And on the desk, they they see a series of letters, and they find an envelope that is addressed to John List's pastor. This is Reverend Eugene Raywinkle. The letter is dated November 9th. 1971 and it reads dear pastor i'm very sorry to add this additional burden to your work i know that what has been done is wrong from all that i have been taught and that any reason that i might give will not make it right but you are the one person that i know that while not condoning this will at least possibly understand why i had to do this I wasn't earning anywhere near enough to support us. Everything I tried seemed to fall to pieces. True, we could have gone bankrupt and maybe gone on welfare. But that brings me to my next point. Knowing the type of location one would have to live in, plus the environment for the children, plus the effect on them, knowing that they were on welfare, was just more than I thought they could handle. I know that they were willing to cut back, but this involved a lot more than that. With Pat being so determined to get into acting, I was also fearful as to what this might do to her, continuing to be a Christian. I'm sure it wouldn't have helped. Also, with Helen not going to church, I knew this would harm the children eventually in their attendance. I had continued to hope that she would begin to come to church soon. But when I mentioned that to her, she just blew up and stated that she wanted her name taken off of the church rolls. Again, this could have only given an adverse result for the children's continued attendance. So that is the sum of it. If any one of these had been the condition, we might have pulled through. But this was too much at last. I'm certain that all have gone to heaven now. If things had gone on, who knows if that would be the case. Of course, mother got involved because doing what I did to my family would have been a tremendous shock to her at this age. Therefore, knowing that she was also a Christian, I felt it best that she be relieved of the troubles of this world that would have hit her. After it was all over, I said some prayers for all of them. From the hymn book, that was the least I could do. Now, for the final arrangements. Helen and the children have all agreed that they would prefer to be cremated. Please see to it that the costs are kept low. For mother, she has a plot at the church cemetery. Also, I don't know what will happen to the books and other personal things. But to the extent possible, 
I would like for them to be distributed as you see fit. Some books might go into the school or church library. Originally, I had planned this for November 1st, All Saints Day, but travel arrangements were delayed. I thought it would be an appropriate day for them all to get to heaven. As for me, please let me be dropped from the congregation rolls. I leave myself in the hands of God's justice and mercy. I don't doubt that he is able to help us, but apparently he saw fit not to answer my prayers the way that I hoped they would be answered. This makes me think that perhaps it was best as far as the children's souls are concerned. I know that many will only look at the additional years that they could have lived, but if finally they were no longer Christians, what would be gained? Also, I am sure many will say, how could anyone do such a horrible thing? My only answer is, it isn't easy and was only done after much thought. One other thing, it may seem cowardly to have always shot from behind, but I didn't want any of them to know, even at the last second, that I had to do this to them. John got hurt more because he seemed to struggle longer. The rest were immediately out of pain. John didn't consciously feel anything either. Please remember me in your prayers. I will need them, whether or not the government does its duty as it sees fit. I am only concerned with making peace with God, and of this I am assured because of Christ dying even for me. P.S. Mother is in the hallway in the attic on the third floor. She was too heavy to move. Signed, John. So very obvious, Captain, that John List murdered his wife, three children, and his mother before writing that letter on November 9th, 1971. Yeah. After he wrote the letter, he turned on the music, he locked the doors, and he left the house. The police obviously looking for Mr. List, who is now a mass murderer. They did some checking into his background because they had some evidence regarding the letter that he left them, or for the pastor more appropriately, of what led him to committing these crimes. And he talks a lot about uh, being a Christian and going to church and however... Ultimately, he commits a very unchristian-like act um, to solve his troubles and not wanting to put his family through any troubles. Well, maybe discuss this with them first, right? <laughs> he, cho- he, cho- he chose to get a redo and didn't give them the option for that. Now, what it appears to me to be, Captain, is that this family was living well beyond their means, and this has got to be um, primarily his fault. He's the man of the house. He's the one that's in charge of paying the bills and probably setting a budget for the household. His wife did suffer some type of illness, and I don't have that specifically here in my notes, Mm -hmm. but I know that she suffered some type of illness that caused their um, maybe even some dementia uh, from her where she would she would act out at times. And this was a big reason why she was not attending the church. Like he had referenced in the letter. 
He does mention his oldest daughter in the letter saying that she had kind of fallen out of the church, that she wanted to get into acting, and that caused him to question her Christianity. Yeah, and he also thought that maybe the more she got into acting, the worse that would get for her Christianity. Correct. And that if had he not done this act uh, when he did, maybe she would not have been received into heaven. Mm-hmm. Apparently... Not only was he overspending and spending beyond the means of their income, mm-hmm. but the mother lived with them because this was such an expensive home that he had to go to her for money, uh, whether it be for the down payment or to pay the mortgage, probably both. Yeah. But the agreement was that she would live in an apartment that they basically furnished in the attic of this mansion, quote unquote mansion. She lived there and he apparently at some point lost his job and rather than informing his family of this, it was for, it was for many, many months. Every day he would wake up, he would shower, he would get ready for work. Mm -hmm. He would dress in a suit and tie and he would leave the house and he would go to a local bus station and he would sit there and he would read all day long Mm -hmm. and he would come home at the end of each day. Now, I'm sure at times he was probably looking for work because he did ultimately find work. But once he had, the family was so far behind on its bills and behind in in debt uh, that he chose to take the lives of his family and, like I said, give himself a redo but not give anybody else the option of this. And as sad as it is, I mean, it's... It's horrible, and it reminds us so much of the William Bradford Bishop case that we discussed when we covered uh, the FBI's most wanted list. It's a guy that did the same thing to his family and to his mother just a couple years after this took place uh, with the List family. He shot, John List shot all of his family members with a 9mm gun, and like he said in the letter, from behind in a very cowardly way, leaving them displayed in the ballroom and the mother up in the attic. Where this ties to the case, to the case of Janet De Palma, it's tricky. It's really tricky to say. But I feel like we needed to cover this and to uh, give somewhat of a detailed description of this crime because it would be rare when you research the Jeanette case, when you research her case, it is rare to find any mention of her case without them referencing the List murders or John List and his family. Well, one, because in this area, these are the two biggest probably murder cases ever in this area. And they're happening less than one year apart, both unsolved at the time of the investigation. And then you have books that were found. It seems to be that there were things found within the list home that would suggest that the oldest daughter, the one that was getting into acting and that John said was getting further from the church. Right that she may have been involved in some witchcraft or Wiccan-type activity. Now, it has been referenced from her diaries, uh, entries that she made into her journal, and books and materials that were found within the home. This is the tie. This is what ties this to De Palma's case. When you talk about Satanism and the possibility of witchcraft, even the possibility that that Jeanette herself was involved in witchcraft books. Yes. Mm -hmm. Were these books and that's it, right? Yeah. That, well, really that's it. And that's what's sad is that this is reported that 
oh, the police are now going to widen their investigation into the List murders because of Jeanette's case. However, it's it's a lot of what we've seen before and what we suspect with some of those newspaper articles regarding things that were found at Jeanette's crime scene was that there's some sensationalism going on here. Oh, yeah. And first of all, uh, Mr. List, you use my friend. Use a piece of shit. But uh, this has nothing to do with it. His daughter probably was interested in probably some spirituality stuff. She probably was doing some research. Mm-hmm. Uh, curious. You know, just because you have some books on the shelf about a subject matter doesn't mean that you're into that. Right. You know what I mean? Like, if somebody went to the colonel's house right now, right? The alarm would go off. Okay, right. But... <laughs> They get past the alarm. Okay. They get past the, the five dogs or whatever you got. Two dogs. Mr. Dog Lover. Leave the dogs alone, please, if you um, get into my house. <laughs> if you break into my house. I would like to have my dogs when I get there. Well, one might bite your head off. But then they get to the bookshelf, right? Past all the porno mags. They get to the bookshelf. <laughs> There's no porno mags, but go ahead. You know, just because you have all these books about serial killers and mass murderers and all that doesn't make you one. Right. That's my point. And I think, is it just the naivete of the, of the seventies where they just jump to these crazy conclusions or, or is it what you said during our break? If it bleeds, it leads. Yeah. And I mean, it's sad, but that's the truth. You know, you, you talk about some of the biggest, murder cases, serial murder, and otherwise throughout the history of the world. And what we've seen time and time again, it sells newspapers and magazines and people do TV shows about it. And two guys sit in a garage and drink some beer and try to figure things out. So we're part of the problem. I guess we're part of the problem. Yeah. Maybe I shouldn't have highlighted that for everybody. But in this situation, 1972, uh, neither of us were around, and they. this is sensationalism, in my opinion, for these newspaper articles. In reality, what we do know is this. Is there any chance that these cases are have any involvement in one another other than being from the same area in the same time period? No. I couldn't find anything to suggest that, that, that the List family even knew the De Palma family. Yeah, the other connection that people were trying to make was that the oldest list daughter was into witchcraft and they did seances and they did witchcraft um, activities, mm-hmm. arts and crafts with witchcraft <laughs> uh, up at devil's skull. And so that therefore that maybe she was loosely connected to Jeanette and it's, it's just not true. Right. There's, there's really no evidence that there was any kind of activity that happened at devil's devil's teeth is the is there any connection no there's no connection with the list murders but when you research this uh you know i kept on hearing about these murders and they might be connected so we thought it was important to go through it at least especially if we're going to reference them later but it's one of those things captain that you have to in this case you have to get over the fact that they're not connected to the list murders and you have to get over the fact that there's it's leaning towards that it's more likely that witchcraft and Satanism was not involved in Jeanette De Palma's murder. Mm-hmm. And once you get past those two things, those those little mountains there, and you venture on, 
Then you have to question, I think that's when you can start to see what maybe really truly happened here. Why did she disappear? Why did she go missing? And ultimately, why was she killed? And are there other cases that are connected to this one? Yes, and that leaves us here, Captain. We have so much more to get to. There's been speculation that if this was not witchcraft or Satanism, could it possibly have ties to the mafia? Could this could she have been killed by a stranger or a friend or a boyfriend? Was this ultimately some kind of cover up involving the police? And this is going to lead us down the road of looking into some other murders that may be connected to Jeanette's case. And we also have plenty of suspects to discuss as well. All right, thanks for joining us in the garage and telling a friend. We had no clue this was going to turn out to be four episodes. It was kind of a last-minute punt situation, right, Captain? We got into this. We're like, holy moly, there's a lot here. On the surface, it doesn't appear to be such, mm-hmm. but there is a lot more to get to. We appreciate everybody joining us this week in the garage. If you want to continue the chat, go to truecrimegarage.com. We have our blog there. There's room for your comments and your questions there on our website all right until next week colonel you be good and captain you be kind and everybody please don't litter Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes.